All right, race fans, Ryan Aho here and the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert, how the heck you doing, man? Doing really good. Uh, it's getting a little colder out here. It's probably a good thing the local race season's over. Uh, but no, overall, I'm doing really good. So how are you <coughs> yeah, doing? You're exactly right. I actually saw some of the fans sitting in the grandstands over at the topless in Ogilvy, and I'm like, thank God for Dirt Race Central because I am not interested in sitting out in 35 degree weather. They're, they're a lot tougher than this guy's in a really good car cult over there. So there's, there's some races that were pretty gung ho, but uh, this guy, them days have, have passed. Let's just put it that way. So let's, we got a tradition and, and I'll be honest. I know that you said that you have one. I feel like I dropped the ball. I looked and I looked and I looked, but it's episode one Oh three. So I'll start with you. Who do you have number 103? Um, if you don't have a 103, we'll get into an 03, then we'll get to three. Uh, who do you got? Well, I have a 103 and a 03. Uh, the 103 is uh, a current driver, a younger driver, actually, uh, Brecken Kleinschmidt. Uh, he races uh, IMCA Modifieds in Northeast Wisconsin. Uh, he races. He races at Shano quite a bit. Uh, I don't have any good stories about him, though, but uh, I do have an actual number for our show, so I was happy about that. Maybe we got to get a hold of his pit guys. I know my pit guys have <laughs> all kinds of stories about me, so we might have to get one. But I tell you what, get, get some pictures. We'll post a picture up of them, and uh, we'll see if maybe, uh, maybe some of the fans, some of the listeners over in that area, maybe they got a favorite story. Go ahead and post that in the comments because we'd love to hear it. And then I have a 103, and that would be uh, Brad Roloff. And uh, Brad Roloff, he's uh, from Pulaski, Wisconsin, which is between Shano and Green Bay. And uh, he doesn't race anymore, but uh, he began racing. Well, he's probably best known for racing in the IMCA Modified Division uh, in Northeast Wisconsin. Raced a lot at Shano Speedway. Uh, it was either late 80s or early 90s he jumped up to the uh, late model division so he does have experience racing a late model and then uh, just a few years ago he was racing an IMCA stock car uh, so he's kind of raced all different sorts of uh, vehicles but uh, in my opinion he was probably one of the best drivers to ever race at Shano Speedway and never win a track championship. Hey, um, what number is Kyle Redant? Ah, he is 03 also. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I accomplished something here. So, one of the young guns, one of the up-and-comers over there. Yep. And uh, one thing with Brad Roloff was uh, one thing that always hurt his chances of winning the championship each year was that he worked. I don't know if, 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 if it was a paper mill or, you know, some sort of job like that. So there's sometimes when he would race and he'd have to leave right away to get the work or, you know, sometimes he had to miss the races to work. So, uh, you know, that pesky job thing getting in the way of racing. <laughs> yeah. That's not real responsible. I mean, what kind of racer are you going to be? If you got to go to work, <laughs> I don't really understand that. So I did not have an old three. Of course, I just brought up Kyle Redant. So he's one of the new guys. I don't know much about him. You do. Uh, you know a lot more about him than I do. But I have some number threes. Before I get into a couple number threes, is there a specific number three that sticks out to you? Um, I guess one that just popped into my head. Uh, this was this goes back to the early 1990s. Uh, Mark Marcel uh, raced in the, at that time 
it was known as the hobby stock division at Shano Speedway. Um, I don't believe he ever won a championship, but he was always a contender every year. And uh, well, I guess another number three that popped into my mind is Brett Swedberg, who currently races in the late model division. So uh, uh, there's been a few number threes around and I'm sure there's more. <laughs> well, I think number three, I mean, the number three, right, is Dale Earnhardt. Well, right, right. That, that was my guy growing up. Like back when I used to watch NASCAR, and I got to be honest, I'm starting to just barely pay a little bit of attention because Kyle Larson has kind of drawn me to like kind of keeping a little bit of an eye on things. But uh, Dale Earnhardt was my guy. <clears throat> now, over the, over the course of my racing career, there's been a ton of number threes. And one of the guys that's still racing in a late model, of course, he's 24J now, but Jay Kittner, when he started racing in a hobby stock up in Hibbing, Minnesota, his first car was number three. I'm not sure why um, our buddy Lem Turnberg, he can post in the comments why Jay was number three. I'm sure it was a family deal. Another guy up there, Jeff Ruzich, um, he's a guy from Kelly Lake. He ran super stocks. He ran modifieds, won a bunch of races, and I still... I think his daughter's racing straight line cars. He's running a little bit of dragster stuff, but he raced forever. And then jumping up, we'll go into the modifieds, Kelly Shryock, you know, one of the best to ever strap into a dirt modified throughout the whole country. <clears throat> I got an interesting story about Shryock. So my daughter and I, Whitney, we were down, oh man, it was 08 or 09. I went down south and we raced in, you know, basically we went over to, tucson arizona <clears throat> and then we we're driving across from tucson and we we're going to go over to baytown right by houston with a modified and my hauler blew up it was about 80 miles i guess east of el paso texas going up a mountain right middle of the night and everybody knows me i drive at night it was like two o'clock in the morning middle of nowhere no cell phone service no nothing right so i'm in the left lane because i got to run kind of going up a, a grade and I just got next to a vehicle and all of a sudden the motor went in the hauler. I'm like, oh crap. So here I am on the left lane on the, on the freeway, right? There's a cliff off of this side. I'm like, this ain't good. Like, I, this is not a good deal, right? <clears throat> so I told Whitney, I'm like, get out of the hauler, stand on the side of the road. I said, I'll, if, if, I, if I jackknife this deal or whatever, I'm just going to jump out, let it go. Cause I, I couldn't see, I had to back to the right across the highway and I was nervous, so I backed the hauler there, and I, I got out every chunk of lead, block of wood, everything I could to kind of put underneath the tires to make sure that thing wasn't going to slide down the road. And we sat there, Bert, I'm telling you, it, we all night. Like, people drove by. They had literally, like, two, three miles up the road was a border patrol station. Border patrol vehicles drove by. Nobody stopped. We're sitting there on the side of the road. Wheels all chalked up and everybody just drove by. We're like, what in the world? Like nobody stopped, right? The first person to stop, Kelly Shryock. And he stopped and he's like, uh, what's going on? I'm like, motor blue, <clears throat> no cell phone service. So we hopped in with him and actually drove up to the border patrol station. We waited, called a wrecker, and then he brought me back to the hall where a wrecker came and picked us up. It was like an $800 towing bill to get it back to El Paso. So that was pretty uh, pretty exciting. But at that race at, at Tucson, I actually passed them to win the heat race over there. So that was pretty cool. That was, that was my first year in the modified. So Kelly Shryock uh, saved the day, so to speak. I don't know. I'd probably still be sitting there with all the vehicles that went by. 
And I thought of another number three. This is a Western number three. So I have no stories. Maybe you have a story. Uh, um, Rick Eggers, or not Rick, Steve Eggersdorf. That's who I got Steve, next. Right? That was the next guy <laughs> okay. on the list right here. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, good old Slammer himself. No, <clears throat> I was okay. too young to remember this. And I've heard many, many, many stories. Of course, Slammer, brother of Rick Eggersdorf. You know, they've both been around racing. Slammer still goes once in a while. I didn't see him this year. But he goes once in a while. He was anyway with Steve Larson. They kind of were pitting together. <clears throat> and up in Hibbing, Labor Day shootout one year. And I feel like it was the early 80s, maybe around 80, 81. Might have been 79. But I was I was there, but I'm too young to remember it. And I, I'll post some pictures because uh, Lamb actually had some pictures on the, on the vintage Iron Range dirt track racing page. So I'll steal them and I'll throw them up on the show. But there was an altercation, and I don't know the whole story. I'd like to find out the whole story one day, <clears throat> but there was an altercation in turn number four, and evidently they, they called it on him. They put him to the back, and, and he wasn't having it. He's like, that ain't happening. He was mad. He was pissed. And uh, finally, the official jumped up on the car, and they were going to, because he, he was kind of jacking them around and, and all that, and Jumped up on the car. Sounds like the official was going to try to pull the coil wire or mag wire. I'm not sure what he had, but they were going to try to make it so the car didn't move. Needless to say, that official got a free ride around the Hibbing Raceway on the hood of his race car. And can you imagine now with how soft, right, like the Lucas Oil Series and all that is? He'd be suspended for a year. Who knows if he'd ever race again? A year? Yeah, <laughs> that might be a, life, that might be a, a lifetime, lifetime deal. Yeah, it could be, you know, so that was an interesting deal. I'd like to talk to him someday. I know that if you jump on the vintage Iron Range Dirt Track Racing on Facebook, um, Lem actually did an interview with him, and I think he tried to pull that question out, but it didn't sound like he really wanted to get into too much detail on it. Uh, so maybe someday we'll get Slammer to open up about that, because I would love to hear that story. You know, I, I think that kind of stuff is really cool. But uh, then he actually made a stint later later in his career. I think he took some time off. And then him and Steve Larson both drove for uh, Lonsky. And they had the kind of the matching. There was a number three and a 19. They were the red and white cars for a while. You probably remember those. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, a bunch of number threes, 103s, 03s. You know, just like last week, fans. I mean, if you've got a, a favorite of any of the above, you know, post some pictures in the comments, um, post some stories. This is the time of year. There ain't much racing going on, so we might as well get some of the old stories out and kind of talk the folklore of old-time racing. I kind of enjoy that. So, of course, <clears throat> this episode brought to you by our friends over at Dirt Track Supply, Watertown, South Dakota. You know, huge hats off, tip of the cap to Ron and Trevor over there for all they do for racing. They help a lot of people out. They sponsor a ton of stuff, so they're always giving back to the sport, you know, and this is the time of year. Get your stuff fixed. Get your repairs done. I saw a post on Facebook, Bert. The price of aluminum is not real good. And they asked, and I, I saw the price he posted on there. It's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, if your better half says, take me somewhere expensive out to dinner, bring her to where you can buy a sheet of aluminum and then just have a sandwich or something, right? I mean, it's, it's brutal. But uh, they, they do all that. They do yeah. it. They, they'll do it. And if you need a new car, if you're looking to make a, a switch in a different direction, that Aero chassis definitely won some races this year. So get a hold of them. 
So yeah, what's your thoughts on that, Bert? On that? I was just, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say. Unfortunately, I don't think aluminum is the only thing that's going to be pricey. Uh, no. Everything is, everything, the cost of everything is just skyrocketing, and it's, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> no, and, and I'm kind of, I'm a little bit nervous, right? Because I don't think we felt the full effect of that quite yet, right? You know, if you really think about it, we're still in that transition stage where the cost of everything is skyrocketing. In a lot of places, can't find employees. I saw Bassett Wheel had a big ad out today looking for employees. Everybody's looking for employees. So hopefully it, hopefully it gets better, but I think it might get worse first. <laughs> but you think people get feisty? You think people get upset when uh, Bobby Pierce chucks the right rear quarter panel and caves the side of their car in? They're really going to get pissed when it costs them <laughs> double to fix it. You know, so... You might, you might see more boxing matches over just a little bit of wrinkled tin because the cost of it's going up so much. It'll be interesting to see. So let's, uh, you know, the final race of the year in, I guess, our region. Um, you know, so the, I guess it would be the final episode of the, the Invitational Season Recap by Vernon Racing. You know, I want to thank Tyler Vernon, of course, for sponsoring the show and all they've done. They, they help so many people out in the racing community, and they really have for a long time. Um, Vernon Racing, is, they've, they've done a lot for a lot of drivers, especially up in that area, always giving back to the sport. But they had the topless nationals down at the big O, Ogilvy, uh, Ogilvy Minnesota, and like I said, Bert, I looked at it on Friday at first. And I'm like, the crowd was a little light. It was a little better on Saturday, but it looked cold. I'm telling you, it did not look warm. So on the who's hot, who's not, we'll just go with the weather. Who's not, right? <laughs> but uh, no late models there. So I'm assuming that, did you watch anything from Ogilvy? I just saw a few highlights from the street stock feature and the Midwest mod feature and what little bit I did see it, it looked like, I mean, the racing was really close and it looked like it was a good racing service surface and uh, very competitive racing. Yeah. Both of those two classes came down to the very end. I know the street stocks have been incredible and I don't care where it is. If it's Wasoda streets, IMCA stock cars, USRA stock cars, UMP, stock, uh, UMP street stocks, they seem to put on the best show everywhere. I mean, it's, it's crazy how good of a show and what a race at the end, uh, literally the last handful of laps, um, Justin Vogel got it done, holding off Kyle Dykoff, got it done in the street stocks, in the Midwest mods, um, Schulte got it done, Travis Schulte, he got by Cody Lee, who bought Brandon Jensen's car, and then somebody, I don't remember who, um, somebody's lock of the week last week was Sebraski's going to double up and win the Supers and the mods. I'm looking through my notes here. Maybe you can refresh my memory who that was. Um, oh, I got Esme. Um, that, yeah, I don't get credit for them picks, though, which really sucks. We'll get to that in a little <laughs> bit. But Sebraski doubled up. Dan DeSalke had a late surge. He was pretty good in that super, but Sebraski just flat out killed him in the modified. But uh, pretty good racing over there in Ogilvy. Good way to cap off the season. Hopefully it was a profitable event. The guy has to wonder, you know, this time of year. The crowd definitely was light. They had a big car count, like 160, 170. I think they had, I want to say it was like 78 Midwest mods. It was insane. Like literally almost half the cars, and they had several classes, was Midwest mods. So they're definitely still gung-ho to go racing. But uh, just a, a great way to end the season over there. The season's finally done up here. Now it's pretty much regional and national stuff. And, 
you know, and uh, we got the dome coming up, but, you know, I'm going to get into this talking about, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about would you rather, right? Because we've seen a lot of races this year, a lot of different drivers, a lot of different track conditions, a lot of different driving styles. Let me ask you, if you're a fan, so the fan question of the week initially started, right? So the fan question of the week, of course, brought to you by Cowboy Up Racing, Shane Hall. And the initial question was directed towards a modified division. You know, Shane Sabraski and Tyler Peterson couldn't be any more opposite, okay? They're both highly talented, but Shane Sabraski, if you have a track that is bone dry, bottom to top, and there ain't an ounce of traffic on it, he is really, really smooth and tough to beat. Tyler Peterson, that's not his forte. He can win on that, but that's not his deal. His deal is if you give him a little traction, a little bit of a cushion, he's a cowboy up. He's like a Bobby Pierce style of driver. He's up on the chip, up on the wheel. Would you rather watch Shane Sabraski or Tyler Peterson? I'll let you start. Uh, well, I mean, based on, I really haven't seen TPO race all that much. Um, so in that regard, I'd like to see him <laughs> race, but just based on your description, I, I, I would rather watch him just based on your description of his driving style. Yeah. And, and same, same here. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. He's always up on the wheel and no disrespect to Shane Sabraski. The guy's incredible, kind of boring, right? He's so smooth, right? He kind of reminds me of the old T-Mac or John Canta where he just, he doesn't bobble and everything. It's not, like he'd be amazing in NASCAR. Like he's a, He's a dry slick technician, right? Now let's let's talk about a few other. I got a, a few other people I put down here, okay? And you've watched enough late model stuff, so let's take an old guy versus a new guy. Let's go <clears throat> your your national champ Cole Searing or Pat Dorn. Um, I would go with Cole Searing. I mean, one thing I haven't seen him race a lot, so that's part of the reason. Uh, but. Uh, I would just rather watch him race uh, door. Let's go with why door. Well, I think in doors, younger days, you know, he, he was more of a throttle masher, but I think he's gotten more to be a finesse driver now. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's more fun to watch the, the throttle mashers. It, it is. Let's, I, let's I told, just be honest. It is. I told Cole Searing, I called him a tin bender earlier in the year, and I, I said that's why I like him because I am not afraid to ruffle of some feathers too. And uh, I, I think I'd go with Cole Searing too, as far as watching him because he's up on the wheel. He's gonna if there if you give him an inch, he's gonna try to make something happen with it. He's a little bit more on the pump, right? Um, Pat Doerr is amazing. He had a hell of a season. And like you said, he used to be just charging the high side. He's extremely talented, but he's really drives with a lot more respect now than 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 Cole would. Nothing against Cole, but he's young and he's like, if you give me a little bit, I'm taking it. Right? He's kind of got that kill mode going on, and doors the. I'm gonna live to play another day. I don't want to do any tin work, so I, I'd go with Cole Searing. Now in the super stocks, and I know you haven't watched a ton of super stock racing, but you know, kind of the same deal. You got your top two guys, Shane Sabraski. We all know his style and Kevin Burdick. Um, I'll go with Burdick just for the same reasons that we discussed in the, the first two. I like, I mean, it's hard to say somebody's boring when they win as much as Sabraski does, but 
yeah, I mean, he, he's methodical in what he does, but he's very fast. And, uh, you know, you can't take that away from him. <laughs> and he was dominant this year. And he can, I've seen him do some pretty amazing things behind the wheel. But uh, as far as a fan, man, we like these tin benders, right? I like watching Burdick. He's going to, you know, he wasn't quite as much of a tin bender this year as he was in recent years. But I, I like watching that style, you know, just give me a little bit of finish. And if I'm racing against him, I'm going to say, I want to race against the brass key. I don't, I don't want to fix my left side. I don't want, I don't want to get banked off of. Right now we'll go to your neck of the woods. Right. <clears throat> so late models. Um, this guy had a hell of a season, Nick Anblink, or a guy that maybe had a shot there at the end to win the Dirt Kings title, Ron Burnham, Nick Anblink or Ron Burnham. And see, this is where, I'm going to, and maybe it's because I watch these guys more than I watch these uh, the previous drivers we've talked about. I'm going to switch my thinking a little bit because I would consider Nick Avalink more of a finesse driver than a throttle masher where Ron Berna, you know, he's a throttle mash, masher. He likes, he likes riding the cushion in, in that, but I enjoy watching Nick Avalink race because he's not afraid to search the track. You know, if, if, if the bottom's not, I mean, he tends to want to race the bottom, but if it's not there on the bottom, he's not scared to go to the top if he has to, and he'll run the cushion if, if he has to. And I mean, not just Nick, but I enjoy watching drivers who search for the best place on the racetrack. Um, you know, I remember watching, this was a couple of years ago, Nick won a race at Seymour and, you know, he was running the high side in three and four and the low side in one and two. So, I mean, the really good drivers find the fast way around the track and it's fun watching them find the fast way around the track. I, I would agree totally. You know, and that leads me to th these two right here. One of the best ever to scrap in a late model, especially in our area. One of the young up and comers. How about Jimmy Mars or Jesse Glenn's? Um, I'm going to go with Jesse Glenn's because he's not a he's not afraid to. Uh, well, let's say this: he's not afraid to throw a slider. Let's just throw. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, there's Jimmy. I mean, <laughs> um, Jesse Glenn's. I mean. I think he showed this at the punky, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, when he was just, and there's no way he was going to win that race. And then he won it on the last lap and then parked his car on the fence and won in two because he drove so hard. So, I mean, it's fun to watch drivers like that. Yeah, that's exciting. I would agree. I'd probably go with Jesse on that too, although Jimmy Mars has won a pile of races. That was oh, switched yeah. down into the modifies. Actually, they both run late models too. But you talked about a guy that searches all over the racetrack. I think Daryl Nelson, when you say that, he's a guy, a guy that when you're leading, if Daryl Nelson's in second, you don't know what to do because he'll go where you're not 100% of the time. But I'm going to go with Daryl Nelson and one of his buddies, Jody Belfi. I don't know a lot about Jody. So I'm going to go with Daryl Nelson just because I'm more familiar with his driving style. Um so I got, uh, I don't have all the information for this one. <laughs> yeah. Jody's more of a Shane Sabrasky style of driving. Okay. Um, one of the best when the track is clean, black top to bottom, really carries momentum, extremely smooth. He does not like the rough. He does not like the cushion. He does not like the tack. That's not his forte, 
Daryl Nelson, you give him a little chop or whatever, he's he's going to put on a show. He's good on everything, but he really shines if there's a little traction. Daryl Nelson's probably in my top five as far as with soda drivers, especially from my area of people that I really enjoy watching. So I'm going to definitely pick him. Now let's go back to your area. <clears throat> a couple double duty guys, they run IMC, IMC stock cars and mods. Um, a couple guys that come to mind that really, really talented drivers. How about Mike Mullen or Benji Lacrosse? Hey everybody, it is Puka. Thank you for joining us on the One to Go show. It's hard to believe, but the high school hockey season is right around the corner. And with that being said, we wanted to remind you of the other podcast that Goat Sports produces, which is called the Tea with Miss McGill show. The Tea with Miss McGill show covers high school hockey in Minnesota. So if you're a hockey fan, jump over to the favorite place that you podcast, search the Tea with Miss McGill show. If you'd like to catch it on YouTube or on Facebook, search Goat Sports Media and you can catch it there. That's a really tough one um, because, well, I mean, <laughs> Benji had such an unbelievable year this year and won a lot of money. But if I had to pick one of those drivers where for the best entertainment value of actually watching them race, I would have to go with Mike Mullen. Um, he's, he's definitely a throttle masher. He's not afraid to stick, stick the car in places that probably shouldn't go, but he seems to come out in front when he does it. And uh, uh, you know, he's not, he's not afraid to, to run the cushion. And I would describe Benji more as a finesse driver, more like a Nick Avalink where, you know, willing to search the track and, th and that sort of thing. But uh, Mike Mullen is just fun to watch on the racetrack. <laughs> you know, and, and that's no disrespect, of course, to Benji Lacrosse. You right. know, both highly talented, as everybody that we've talked about here are very good race car drivers, you know. But the fact is, certain people create more entertainment value than others. Let's go to the national scene, right? You see... You know, and we'll, we'll do a couple that are a little tougher. A couple are, in my mind, easy, right? If I said, if I said uh, Bobby Pierce or Dale McDowell, I mean, you're gonna, gonna, you're gonna go Bobby with, Pierce, yeah, because <laughs> you just don't know what's gonna happen. But no, if I said Bobby Pierce or Tyler Erb, that gets a little tougher because they kind of got the yeah. same style. Who would you rather watch there, Pierce or Tyler Erb or Turbo? I think I'd still go with Pierce. Um, I, I think Pierce is just a little bit more successful than Herb. Um, and uh, I mean, Herb, Herb will run the cushion, but not many run the cushion like Bobby Pierce does. <laughs> yeah, he's good on the cushion. And Turbo, I mean, both of them two are going to chuck sliders. Um, I think Pierce has probably had more success. I think Turbo, though, he either has the most or tied for the most or within one yeah. of the most Lucas oil wins on the year. So, so he's won some pretty big races himself. Um, how about this? How about we go the other direction on this and go Jonathan Davenport, Brandon Overton. I would go with Davenport um, just from the fact that I think Davenport does more um, wheels up, you know, uh, elbows up and running the cushion. Uh, uh, Overton seems to be more, I hate using the term finesse driver, but um, it, it just seems like Overton's car is just set up so well that he doesn't have to run the cushion half the time. He can just roll through the middle of the corner and that car is 
so good that, you know, he comes out in front. Right. And I mean, right. one thing, one thing to that I want to want to make sure our listeners understand is, you know, we're asking from a fan standpoint, who's more fun to watch between two drivers. That doesn't necessarily mean if you had to pick a driver between these two drivers to win a race for you, you know, that's a whole different ball game. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that's absolutely for sure. Um, You know, how about about this? You take a guy, you know, two guys right now that really did not have the season that they did last year, Jimmy Owens and Brandon Shepard. Um, I would go with uh, Brandon Shepard. Just same thing, um, kind of that I talked about with Nick Avalink. Um, I mean, yeah, Shepard can run the cushion, but he also is one who, if you really watch, you know, focus in on him, uh, he'll be searching the track for the fastest way around. I remember watching a race on Flow last year. I don't know, that one of the Illinois tracks that, you know, puts on great racing and the same thing. It was, you know, you run low in, you know, two of the corners and you run high in the other two corners, you know, you search and find the fast way around. You're, you don't have it set in, set in your mind that, okay, I'm going to set the car up for the low side. But I mean, if the low side's not working, you know, they're not afraid to try the high side. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that, that's a fun conversation because it's like, you know, both of them are good, but who's more fun to watch? It always reminds me of one of my favorite guys that I watched racing in my area growing up was John Canta, right? I mean, I'm a, I was a dry, like when I ran super stocks, I mean, I loved it black top to bottom, clean, dry. And that's kind of what his style was, just a, a technician. And he always found himself up there, but it's like, he didn't even look fast, right? And that was always exciting to me to watch because that was kind of my style in the supers. And then you jump up, you know, and then you all of a sudden you start getting, you know, modified. It's like, I needed a little bit more brown on the track and the modified, I need a little bit more traction. And then you start looking at different driving styles, but it's funny as, as fans, right? Sometimes fans are, they're fans of a certain driver and they're like, I like watching my guy, but then the casual fan, they want, they want exciting. They want slide jobs. They want, they want that kind of stuff because it creates energy, you know, and speaking of that, we'll get to the national scene from this past weekend and fans, if you got people that you're like, Hey, this guy or this guy, put it in the comments, you know, it's always fun to have them conversations, but I got to watch Josh Rice, right. Versus Bobby Pierce. And both of these two are hammered down cushion pushers yep. and all that. And it was at Josh Rice's house. It was at Florence. He had the Florence 50, um, did you get a chance to watch that race here this past weekend? I watched a little bit of it. I saw the beginning of it, and then I, I watched the the tail end of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that uh, Florence is definitely Josh Rice's house. I mean, he is – I mean, that's where – didn't he win a Lucas race there this year? Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to pick against him, even if the national drivers or national series is coming to that track. And uh, – yeah, I mean, he had a huge lead, and then on the last, I mean, he was entering turn three when they threw the caution on the last lap, and then they restarted the race, so, it, I mean, it would have been a bummer if he would have lost that race, but, I mean, he he was the class of the field, and uh, Pierce didn't have anything for him. The caution was for his brother, by the way, James Rice, who was running at the top five, I think he got together with a lapper, they didn't show the incident, but um, Pierce led a bunch of that race, and it wasn't the typical Florence that we kind of seen all year where you're just pounding. Right. The it was, 
it was a, there was a little bit up there, but it was a lot drier. And Pierce was kind of running the bottom, you know, a half a lane off the bottom. They got into lap traffic, and then Josh Rice actually drove around him a lane up, and then he killed him when he was gone. But I gotta, I gotta ask, you know, where, when did this like last lap yellow comes out, right? You know, final lap, and they go green checker. When did when did this start happening? I, I don't recall ever seeing anything like this before. Is this a new deal down there? Or like what's going on? I mean, it's always been like literally as long as I've been like old enough to know what a race car is, there's a yellow on the last lap. It's green, white checker, right? So whoever came up with this last lap, we're gonna go green and just go one lap and throw the checkered, donkey award. Okay, do me a favor, make a fist. And then raise your hand up and then turn it and then punch yourself in the face. Okay. Cause it's like the dumbest thing ever. Like this whole green checkered, it's dumb. It's, it's, it's not entertaining. It doesn't add value to the race. It's, it's dumb. I mean, go green, white checkered. I don't understand. What is your thoughts on this whole green checkered deal? We talked about this last week. Too. Um, well, I mean, if, if they go green, right checkered, then they're actually racing an extra lap. Um, but uh, I mean, actually, at most of the tracks, if not all of the tracks in eastern Wisconsin, um, if the caution comes out on the white flag lap, they throw the checkered and the race is over. I mean, you don't you don't restart the race. So, you know, you can look at that and it's well, you're depriving the fans of a lap because of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have that big of an issue with it, um, but I mean it could create some havoc, you know, because everybody, you know, you always say, you know, a race isn't one on, on one lap. Well, in this case, it is one on, is one, on a single lap. <laughs> he, he drove away from him when that happened. It was, it was over. He never had a shot, but I found that interesting in, in the, a lot of our tracks too, where, where that way, if a certain percentage of cars on the lead lap took the white flag, then the race was officially over. And as long as they do it the same everywhere, I think I'd like to see that. I talked to Don Shaw about that. He's a promoter over at the I-94 Speedway. And we talked about that. It's like, okay, if whatever the sanctioning body is, whether it's with Soda or Lucas or whatever, they it should just be the same everywhere you do it. Lucas is, right, in World of Outlaws. But, like, you take with Soda or IMCA, they might have different race procedures at different tracks. I think as long as it's the same, we can kind of get used to it and deal right. with it. But uh, this whole, like, you're not really sure what the procedures are here, that, that deal's got to go. So good race there. If you haven't watched it, that one was on flow. <clears throat> but then down in Georgia, down at Sonoya, they had a doubleheader, Southern All-Stars down there. And I know you watched a little bit of that. I'll let you talk a little bit about that. You know, who won, what stuck out, and uh, what stuck out to you? Well, I watched the I watched Saturday's feature, uh, but uh, Ashton Winger won Friday's feature, and then he backed it up and won Saturday's feature. And I mean, and what's newsworthy about that is uh, Brendan Overton was there, so you just kind of expect that you know he's going to be in victory lane. And uh, actually, Let's go Overton, Brandon. <laughs> Overton was lead was leading that race, but. Uh, winger passed them and just just dominated uh i mean he he can wheel 
a race car. I didn't realize this till after the race when I was reading the story about it, but that's his home track. So, I mean, he knows his way around that track too, uh, because he raced, he races there a lot, but, uh, you know, it was announced several weeks ago that he was going to be racing for GR Smith, uh, motorsports. And, um, you know, it just, uh, shows what happened. It just shows what happens to, to the performance of a race team, depending on which driver is in the car. I mean, nothing against GR Smith, but you know, he didn't have any top finishes or, you know, very few if, if that, um, winger gets in the car and wins two features within the first several weeks of being in, in that car. And for those of you guys that don't remember, uh, it was the, I believe the year that Davenport was racing the Barry Wright house car early in the season, but just horrible finishes and then didn't race a whole lot during the summer. But then he showed up at the world 100 racing GR, one of GR Smith's cars and won the world 100 that year. And, uh, I actually, uh, interviewed GR Smith at Eldora that year for an article in, uh, dirt late model magazine. And, uh, I had like a 45 minute interview with him. Super nice guy. And, you know, I mean, any question I asked, he answered, he answered the questions and, you know, it was a very good one. One of the better interviews I've ever done, actually. Nice. <clears throat> nice. So what stuck out to me down there? So our, our late model expert, Jeff, he actually shot me over some info. Winger was five for five at Sonoya. So, I mean, that, that is his house. He's from there, but I mean, didn't matter who came there. He got it done. And, and really this was kind of a coming out here for him. I mean, he really put together uh, probably the best season he's ever had. And one thing that stuck out to me, and I didn't know this until Jeff sent this, the announcer down there, Man, I don't remember his name, but he's he's high energy. He's an interesting I, cat, right? And during the introductions, they had Brandon Shepard there, and they're like, everybody's going, let's go, Brandon, right? And uh, so they're doing the let's go, Brandon deal, right? And the announcer, after they announced him, he says, just to make sure you got it right, it's FJB. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, I, I laughed. I'm like, oh boy, right? So okay. I I, th- I think this is the same announcer that I talked about last year when I was watching a race, and he was talking about how exciting the race, and he's going, shake your babies, and then he goes, no, don't shake the babies. Yeah, and, and he then, pulls out a lot of wrestling stuff, right? Well, he, and I actually wrote down one of the quotes he had from this from Saturday's feature. He was announcing a battle between two drivers i don't even know who the drivers but there must have been some contact between them because he goes oh he throws the mike tyson super punch <laughs> <laughs> yeah dwayne dwayne something is it's it's dwayne is his name but uh yeah he does uh he, he does a good job he's highly entertaining yep. you know and, and it's fun now another thing that stuck out to me on this event was ricky weiss made the trip over in a kind of a last minute decision. And, and quite honestly, he's had a pretty rough year, but they did some testing in at Charlotte for the upcoming world finals. They made a last minute decision to go to Sonoya and for back-to-back weeks, Bert, he was on the podium. He got third over there. So kind of finishing the season with a little bit of a upsurge here a little bit. I'm really, we'll I'll see what he can put together over at the world finals in Charlotte in a couple of weeks, but you know, that's a guy right there that needs to finish the season strong to get a little confidence built up rolling into the 2022 season. 
a pretty good run for Ricky Weiss over there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we kind of talked about this last week with uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. You know, how, how much does having good finishes at the end of the season impact your race program? And I think for Ricky Weiss, I think it can have a huge impact considering how bad his season has been so far this year. For sure. And we talked about Overton getting passed. That's a couple weeks in a row, right? RTJ passed him a week ago to win. This weekend, Ashton Winger passes him to win. You don't see him losing the lead very often, but that just speaks volumes to the level of competition in dirt late model racing. So kind of, I, I like seeing Overton win. I want to see him get to a million dollars in earnings, but it's kind of nice when somebody drives by him for a win. That's, that's kind of, it's nice to see some, especially some youth, right? You got an Ashton Winger, mm -hmm. RTK, some of these young guns. That speaks, in my opinion, to the future of the sport, right? The, yep. I think the, the future is bright. And one final comment about Ashton Winger. Um, you know, he was the rookie of the year on the World of Outlaw Tour last year. And, you know, we were kind of bummed that he decided not to follow the Outlaw Tour this year because, you know, the Outlaws don't have a lot of great drivers on their tour to begin with and to lose a quality young driver like that. But actually, I think racing... The Super Nationals, many of those races this year probably helped him more than following the World of Outlaw Tour because you're racing at so many different racetracks uh, on the Hell Tour that, um, you know, it just, I think it's more beneficial than following the Outlaw Tour. Yeah, and he, I tell you what, from the beginning of that deal to the end, he was a whole different driver. I mean, he really put together an outstanding season. It'll be fun to see. And you talk about the level of drivers. We'll get into this more in shows to come. But, you know, you talk about Ricky Weiss, right? There's a the guy right there. Rumor has it that he might not even be following the World of Outlaw Series next year. You know, and this is silly season. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to go around here over the next couple months. But it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially with this new XR Super Series coming out and, you got the Castro Flow Racing Series. You got all this stuff going on. It's going to be really interesting to see how things progress over the 2022 season with all these big money races. I guess uh, time will tell. We'll talk about that more when we talk about schedules. Um, speaking of late model racing, Bert, great late models. Puka's favorite class. Um, they had a, a big deal. They had the Powell Memorial down at the Altec Speedway in Florida. 26000 to win. And the old Newport Nightmare himself, Jimmy Owens, parked at Victory Lane. Pretty much a dominating win. Nobody was there. I think Bronson got third in that deal. Um, biggest win of his year. Biggest win of the year. Now, Jimmy Owens won a lot of big stuff in his career. Off-season for him, even though it was a great deal, that $26,000 payday probably felt pretty good for him. The question I have is, should a guy like him that's a – national late model touring guy be able to jump into a crate late model to run some of these shows like this well, what is your thoughts when that happens um i mean as long as there are no rules against it uh, i mean he should be allowed to do it that as should there be a rule against it or should he be allowed um i don't think there should be a rule against it um i mean actually from a promoter's standpoint they probably want a driver like that to come to their show because you know they're looking for drivers with fan appeal to help bring uh more people to the track to watch the race so 
I would imagine the promoters want as many of the national super late model guys as possible to race in these races. Um, I mean, looking at it from the regular crate driver's perspective, yeah, I can understand where they may not want them. Um, I mean, that's kind of been an issue a little bit in Eastern Wisconsin with IMCA modified drivers uh, racing IMCA stock cars and some of the big specials. And, uh, you know, I've talked to uh, some of the stock car drivers. And I mean, I think these opinions can translate over to what the crate guys would be feeling as, you know, you look at it one of two ways. It's like, yeah, I don't want them racing with me. You know, they're, they're, they're racing in a division above us. They shouldn't be racing. And, you know, I've also had drivers tell me, you know, they should be allowed to race. Um, when they race with us, it lets me know where my race program is. And if I need to step up my race program or not, I can kind of gauge how well I'm doing if those drivers are racing. Yeah, against and that's how I look at it too, is you, you can be the person that wins every single night. And then all of a sudden a top guy like him comes in and beats you. It's going to make you better, right? It stretches you. And, and I looked at it as a racer and I guess as a fan, I have no problem with a modified guy running a Midwest mod or, or whatever, you know, a super late model guy running a crate. I don't have a problem with it. In fact, they didn't go one and two. Him and Bronson weren't one, two. I don't remember who was second. Bronson got third. But there was a crate guy that got second in that deal. And, and the fact of the matter is, it just makes everybody better, right? And, and everybody likes that David versus Goliath deal, too. When you win a race like that and you beat a guy like Jimmy Owens or you beat one of these top guys or Shane Sebraski jumping into a Midwest mod and you beat him, right? Now that makes that just makes you feel ten times better. It's like, man, I just beat this guy. Came down racing against us, and whatever. I just showed him how I just showed him how to get her on the racetrack, you know. So there's a little bit of pride there too. It's like, hey, this is my class, you know. I remember back when I was in Super Stocks, several different drivers that were running modifieds and whatever had come down, jumped into a Super for specials, or maybe they ran a season, and we're like, I don't give a crap who this person is. This is, this is our class. We're winning. Like, they can come down here and try to win, but it don't matter. Like, it just gave us a tip on our shoulder. Like, they think they are coming down trying to take my money, right? So that, that competitive gets uh, competitiveness gets drawn out. You want to race against the best, right? You know, you don't want to race against, you know, lack of competition. The better the cars that you're racing against, the better you're going to be as a result. So I, I like it. I, I kind of like it. So... Let's talk a little about World Boat Lost Sprint Car uh, action here for our buddy Keith. We haven't mentioned his name in a little while, but they had a, a standalone show over the weekend. Didn't they, didn't, they only ran one race. They were at Lakeside and Giovanni Scalzi, good old hot sauce parked in Victory Lane. I think, looking at this, I believe he was the 14th different winner in World of Outlaws Sprint Car action. Um, did, did you watch the highlights for any of that racing? What stuck yeah. out to you in the world of all yeah. first? I watched the highlights, and uh, what stuck out to me was, uh, well, obviously my uh, uh, sure bet of the week uh, did not happen because my sure bet was that Brad Sweet would be back in victory lane, but uh, started fourth and ran in the top five for much of the race, and then he fell, fell back late in the race. This is kind of the 
but gravel uh, too. But, but gravel were right there together, but, and they just went backwards. I don't know if they but were gravel. Gravel finished behind Sweet, so I mean, it, it's like the championship that nobody wants to win <laughs> between the top two drivers right now. And um, I saw, I believe it was the World of Outlaws posted on Facebook that uh, Brad Sweet needs to be up by, I believe, ninety six points entering Charlotte. Uh, to guarantee the championship and right now he's up by i think 98 okay um, so if he has a bad weekend it could be a race he could clinch it by the end of the weekend as well it'll be interesting right. to see. i have corrected and, 15 different winners but 50 he's a 50 okay winner. and another thing that stood out with was uh i mean we talked a lot early this year about you know our uh um shots his best days behind him and he's been racy these last few weeks uh where do you did he fi he finished third at least he wasn't third at one point yeah he um, was right up there and i think he's got over the last like two months i think his average finishing position was like fourth okay yeah um, he's been really racy <laughs> yeah he's been really good so looking at this kind of looking at the win count brad sweet's got 16 world of outlaw wins on the year the next closest is at 10, and that's Gravel and Macedo. And then it jumps down to eight, Sheldon Hoddenschild. Then it goes Logan Schuhart at six, and then there's a few at four, a few at three. But uh, as, as bad as uh, he's been, we'll talk about that in a minute, Sweet, he had a really, really strong kind of start to the season. Right. That early part of the year, and then he just kind of shut it off. And and But you'd think, I mean, it's kind of been around that 90 to 120 point separation here for the last i don't know feels like the last month anyway and as bad as he's doing gravel ain't much better that it's right. not really closing the gap on him at all so it'll be really interesting to see what happens here this weekend we've got a pair of shows and then of course we've got the world finals to close it up so world of all lost sprint car action always good but let's get into some who's hot speaking of sweet <laughs> but let's get into some who's hot and who's not of course brought to you by Blue Line Brews and, you know, Proud Sport. If you, if you drink coffee, check out the link. Look at the link, click the link, and there's a lot of different flavors, a lot of different stuff, but Blue, Blue Line Brews, they're always giving back, right? So if, if an officer was lost in the line of duty or injured, they have a program there where money goes back to fallen off, families of fallen officers and injured officers and so on. So it's really cool. I mean, the one to go show the racing community, Blue Line Blues, we all support that Finn Blue Line and we support our country and the people that serve us. So um, hats off to those over at Blue Line Brews. But Bert, on your end of things, who's hot? Who do you got? Um, locally, I have uh, Sabraski. Um, he went two feet. I mean, he was running well before this last weekend and uh, really put a uh, ended the season strong if this was the end of his season um jonathan davenport won the castro flow race race of the week last week uh, i believe he clinched that championship also yep. and and then ashton winger wins two races in a row with brandon overton present at the races so i'll put winger on the list also i think he copied my notes i'm a little disappointed <laughs> uh, but yes Nebraska closing it out with two uh, two wins at ogilvy and really, he ain't finished worse than second, it seems like, in forever, right? He's, even though, like, he needed to win the final, one of the final two nights to win the Wasota National title in the modified, he got second both nights. 
So he was still there. He was still in the hunt, but he didn't quite get it done. But that super stock was absolutely stupid dominant, especially through invitational season. And then Jonathan Davenport, just to kind of elaborate there, you're right. He won the Castro Flow Racing Night in America this past week, but he's won three of his last five. The other two races, a second and a third. So he ain't been off the podium in five straight nights. That's impressive. Ashton Winger, five for five at Sonoya, passed over to him, really a coming out season for him. And then I added Kyle Larson to the mix, some, some guy from California, three in a row in NASCAR action. I know we don't talk a lot of NASCAR stuff here, but he's got 10 wins, nine point wins. And then he won the all-star race as well. He's won on half miles, mile and a half. He's won three road course races. I don't know. I saw somebody post on Facebook. I don't think anybody's ever won three road course races in a single season before. He has. Um, and if, it, if they have, it ain't been for a long time. But, I mean, the, the dude's won. He's won the Chili Bowl. He won the Coca-Cola 600. You know, so he's got these leading points. The question I have, and I'd like to do some research on this. If we had the old format with NASCAR points where they just took the whole points from the season, would he already have it clinched going into the final night? I don't know. It's possible. And I mean, that's one thing that sucks about the way NASCAR does their champion now is everything you just said just shows how much he's dominated this year. But if he doesn't finish ahead of the other three drivers in the final race, he doesn't win the championship. And All it takes me, is some jackass. Right. Literally <laughs> spinning them out or some stupid thing. And it's like, it's just not a true representation of what I mean. It wasn't that long. It wasn't that many years ago that Kevin Harvick won nine races and, but he didn't win the championship because he didn't have a great final race of the season. And that's why I just don't like their form. I know they're trying to do, they're trying to be like football and NCAA basketball where, you know, you build up to one final race, but it's just not a true representation of who the champion would. It's not always a true representation of who the champion should be. No, it's really not. And, and, and I, what I'd like to see on the NASCAR deal is, is have your, have your points. Like we always used to in the back of the day, consistency over the course of a season, that's your champion. The most points at the end of the year, that's your champion. And if they want to do this chase format, Get some corporate sponsors. They're good at that. They've got a lot of money in NASCAR, right? And and have a true spectacle at the end of the year where the final night is some insanely big pay, right? Make it $5 million to win or whatever. You pick the number. I don't care. But make it some crazy big number to win that race. But you have to qualify through stages to get, you know, to get to that race. Do something like that or whatever. But, man he deserves to be the champion in NASCAR for sure. He deserves to be the champion. I'd like to see, I'm going to, I'm going to go back one of these weeks. It might not be right away, but I'd like to jump online and do some research. Would he already have it clinched? I don't, I, I think he'd be leading for sure, but it'd be really interesting, interesting to see how the points would shake out under the old traditional format that we grew up in. But man, what a year he's had. Well, and, and the thing is, you know, NASCAR originally changed the format from the season long point struggle um, because they wanted to put an emphasis on wins. Well, 
<laughs> he's got he's got the wins, but he's got to back it up in one race at at the very end of the season to get the championship. Right. <laughs> it's uh, it's counter counterintuitive, but we'll we'll find out. I guess time will tell. We'll find out what happens there. Kyle Larson, though, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that's. It's just you, you don't see anything like it. It's just crazy. Now let's get into who's not. Who do you have there? Um, I just have two drivers on my list. And I mean, we already talked about them and um, they're battling for the championship that nobody wants to win. Um, Brad Sweet and uh, Gravel. I mean, Sweet has struggled. You know, he's left he's left the door open, but uh, Gravel's been, been unable to take advantage of it. And, you know, I would imagine Gravel's probably got to be kicking himself a little bit that uh, he hasn't been able. I mean, because, you know, you don't expect Brad Sweet to have this long of a drought. <laughs> no, and just to touch on how long that drought's been, it's a 12-race winless streak for him. So 12 straight races without a win, but his last five shows, Bert, his best finish was a sixth, okay? In his last five, he had a 12th, a 14th, a 10th, and a 15th. That ain't, that's not championship numbers, no. right? <laughs> that's not the way to close out 17 total wins, 16 with the outlaws. Um, chances are Brad Sweet's going to be the champion because I have him on my not hot list as well. And uh, chances are he's probably going to get it done, but he's got to look back and say, man, what happened at the end of the year? He's not closing out the season the way that a champion should. Right. It's just a good thing he got such a big lead early. Another guy I have, Scott Bloomquist, right? Another DNF this weekend. He was up at, uh, I think he was up at the Keystone Cup up there, and he like he started second row. He was right up front in the heat, and uh, he started second row in the feature, and it was like lap one or lap two. He pulled off right away. I'm not sure what happened, but he ain't won a race yet. And and I don't remember. And I looked online, and and they use the term in recent history, first winless season in recent history, because I don't think they know either. The people that I was doing the research on. And I don't know if Scott Bloomquist has ever had a year where he hasn't won a feature. I, I would be willing to bet that if it was, maybe it was his first year ever racing, maybe. But I, I think I thought I thought I remember him saying something about he won some races that year too, like when they did an interview with him. So I don't know if Scott Bloomquist has ever had a year where he hasn't won a feature. My buddy Dave, right, that won the points down over at Sycamore Speedway. He was beating himself up like, you know, and he finally won. He, he won the final night, won the championship. And he's like, man, I don't want to go the whole season without winning. Imagine me and Scott Bloomquist, a guy that has won more races than anybody, right, basically, and all this big stuff. And then after that, having a year where you don't win, that's got to be painful, right? I don't care. He's a competitive guy. I mean, he's ultra competitive. Imagine kind of going from like you're the you're the goal, you're up here to like not winning one single feature the whole year. I mean, do we see him maybe cherry picking something at the end of the year, some local was, whatever, just to say that he got a win? Can you see him? I, I was just thinking, you know, he's gonna have to go to some weekly show and just <laughs> to try right. to get a win. Yeah, I mean. I mean, he, I mean, he almost has to, doesn't he? I mean, there's enough stuff going on down there. It's like, it's like, Wilmer, you can't, you can't have a, you can't end your streak of like 
win. You, you've got to you've got to go get a win somewhere, right? He has to. Like he needs to go to a track and pull a Kenny Wallace and be like, "I'll run your your pure stock. I'll run a mod. I'll run this. I'll run that. Just go run like seven different classes." Go run a Hornet. I don't care, right? Get a win. I don't care what it is. Get a feature win. But, uh, man, it's it's uh, insane well, he doesn't have a win this year. And the thing with him is, I mean, over the last month or so, I would say he's had strong qualifying runs. You know, he started up front in features, and he's run well in features, but it's he's always having mechanical – mechanical letdown i mean he did have one race where he ran in you know let a lap car spun and he couldn't avoid but other than that i mean it's all been mechanical issues he's been pulling off early and you know that almost you know when you have mechanical issues that's that's preparation during the week (laughs) and so you know are they not doing the proper preparation during the week for the races yeah we've heard enough stories to be honest and i mean uh i mean um nick huffman won't be racing right well we've heard enough (laughs) stories too yeah enough stories from the shop to know it's not the most well-oiled machine down there it's just not you know and and maybe maybe that's a big problem so so and uh i mean the driver who was running well was Nick Hoffman, and he's not going to be racing for him next year. No, what was the announcement there? Who's Hoffman racing? Or he doesn't have a ride quite he yet. He doesn't. He doesn't have a late model ride. He's trying to secure a late model ride, and uh, um, who is it? Cody Summer. No. Uh, he he's like his marketing guy, so he's working on trying to secure a late model ride for him. Well, I tell you what, there's a the guy right there. That's <laughs> so I mean. Dick- it wouldn't because, be a bad idea to put him in your ride. GR Smith, get a hold of him. You know, you know, <laughs> if you feel the second car, there's your guy. So let's talk about oh, I one the other one I had, I only had two on there, but I'm just gonna go with the weather. I mean, it, it's getting to that time of year where yeah, not hot, the weather. I'm not I'm not ready for this 30 degree stuff. I'm just not. But our picks from last week, uh kind of looking through it here, nobody had any right. Um <laughs> Well, this Burt guy did. You had you had good old JD Superman at the Castro Full Racing Night in America. I had Owens. I don't think he was even there, was he? No, he wasn't there. Uh, that, which that, was which was surprising since the race was in Tennessee. Yeah, um, I figured for sure he'd be at four eleven. But thanks a and lot. So so yeah, I mean, I I was really I was really uh, nervous watching that race because you know Superman was in second for a good portion of that race, but then he took the lead and then able to breathe a little bit better and you know i know you've won some national championships so you're used to just a wide open track in front of you uh but right now this is your view this is your view (laughs) it is yeah bert is at 30 and i'm officially at 29 one point behind him so yeah yeah i uh i'm not sure how i feel about that one we haven't had a new leader pretty much most of the season and I kind of been dropping the ball, so I need to get it together here. So this week, uh, our picks we're gonna. Pick- you're, you're you're kind of like you're kind of having a season like Brad Sweet here. You're kind of cruising to the to the end. Yeah, well, you, maybe you'll pull a David Gravel and make up some. <laughs> and lose it. I'm kind of hoping. We'll, we'll find out. 
But uh, we're picking two World of Outlaw Sprint Car races. They got one lot in Oklahoma, Devil's Bowl down in Texas. And then the Castro Flow Racing Night in America over at Tri-County. And then uh, we're going to pick the late models over at the National 100 in North Carolina, which is an interesting one because we really have no clue who's even going to be there. Um, kind of the same deal with the Castro race. We don't really know who's going to be at that either because it's, it's kind of like I expected Jimmy Owens. He wasn't there, so it's hard to say who's going to be there, but it's coming down to the wire for sure. But if we had to pick one sure bet of the week, which incidentally I got my sure bet right last week, it doesn't count in the standings, but I got that right. It should count, should count double. But uh, who's your sure bet? Who's your uh, lock of the week this week? My lock of the week is uh, Superman will put an exclamation point on his uh, championship in the Castro Flow Racing Series and will win that feature. Well, how confident are you? <laughs> Why? Let's let's do this. Let's do this. Let's. Uh... <laughs> I'm not a betting man. I, I, I see Skip and Shannon all the time, right, on Undisputed. They're, they always bet like cases of Mount Dew or, or whatever. <laughs> so whenever we – let's do this. Whenever we get together next, right, whenever that is at a racetrack or whatever, if Davenport wins that race, I'll buy dinner. If Davenport does not win that Castro race, you buy dinner. If it rains out, nobody buys dinner. Okay, I'm fine with that. All right, sounds good. Okay. Um, my lock of the week is Jake O'Neill is going to win <clears throat> two of the four um, championship weekend for the USMPS races. I'm not willing to say which one because I don't know anything about these tracks, <laughs> but Jake O'Neill is going to win two of four um, to close out the season in the USMPS down there. So we'll see how that goes. He, of course, uh, I think Jake O'Neill got it done down at Fado this past weekend too. So let's get to the last lap. Of course, of course, brought to you by our friends over at Zuli's Race Engines. You know, Frank putting together a great product. Winners all over the place, all season long. Um, Justin Vogel, again, the good old Wolverine himself. He parked it in Victory Lane this past weekend over at the Topless in Ogilvy. Great way for him to cap off the 2021 season. Um, he ended up second in the Wissota National Standings. Really put together a great year. But racers... This is the time of year, right? Get a hold of Frank, get your stuff to him, get your engines fresh. And you don't want to wait until March. You don't want to wait. They don't put him at that kind of a bind. If you, if you need your stuff done, get it to him now. So that way he has more time to get it done. And if you need a new engine, I tell you what, the numbers are there. Look, I mean, just take a look at it. The numbers are there. We post winners every single week, get a hold of them. You'd be glad you did. So like I said, Vogel got another win. And Kyle Larson, I mean, continuing to flat out dominate. I mean, it's just ridiculous. We talked about him. The championship weekend, a little bit interesting stuff here. The championship weekend down, um, down south for the USMTS. A couple people are going to be there that don't normally go to the USMTS races. Bert. Who's going there? Uh, Bishop is going to be racing a mod down there. Um, he raced a mod last year in a race. I don't know if it was USMTS races, but he did he race won a couple of them too, didn't he? Yeah, now that you say that, I, th I think he won at least one. Yeah, um, so they're going to be at the Dallas County Speedway in Urbana, Missouri, the Tri State Speedway in Pocola, Oklahoma, 
Lakeside Speedway in Kansas City and the 81 Speedway to, to close out the season in Park City, Kansas. So kind of that southern, I guess, southern Midwest, right, if you, if you want to call it that. But uh, so he's going to be there. But who else besides Bishop? Yeah, uh, AJ Demel announced that uh, he's going to be he's going to be there racing the White City Glass Modified. So uh, um, there'll be there'll be a some a local flavor down there, so it'll make it more interesting to watch. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, he's I mean he's got like a forty percent win percentage over the year. I read somewhere online, you know. So he's a guy that can contend. Boy, I'd really like to see some of our local guys. Ebert really put together, I mean, dominating season when he ran with soda stuff. It'd be cool to see him end the season with a win down there. I'm not sure if Jason Good's going down. He's been kind of following some of that. But uh, final weekend down there, of course, that's on Racender. But another guy that's going to be running a modified this weekend. So over at the dirt track in Charlotte, they have the uh, the dirt car series has a big finale weekend down there. Chris Smokey Madden going to be driving a number 71 in the modified division. So I don't know if he's, do you know if, if Madden has any experience behind the wheel of a modified? I do not know if he has any. Yeah, no. uh, I, I don't, I don't recall him ever racing one before, but I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out. I mean, the suspensions and mods are very similar to a late model now, but the tires are a lot smaller. So it'll be interesting to see how old Smokey Madden does. And then there's a couple races, a couple late model races this past weekend, Bedford, Pennsylvania had the Keystone cup, 25,000 to win. Did you get a chance to watch any of that other late model racing that went on? I did not see any of that late model racing, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was a good, good win for Max Blair. Um, I mean, that that's in his, uh, he's from that area. So, uh, you know, he's familiar with, with the tracks in that area. So, but it's a good win for him, obviously. Yeah. Good, kind of a snoozer, you know, for the most part, but a, a hell of a payday. It's probably one of his biggest ones of his career, if not the biggest. And then Dennis Herb Jr., World of Outlaw regular, um, he took home the 15,000 a win payday for the second straight year down at the fall classic at Why Not Speedway at uh, in Meridian, Mississippi. So, Dennis Herb Jr. kind of making that place a, a tradition for him. Rolled right around the bottom of the, you know, like he always does and got her done. Now, speaking of uh, dirt car, UMP, all of that, right? I've been critical of Wissota and I've been critical of like the way the teching is and the official, you know, the, the way they treat people. I don't know what was worse, right? So UMP, they, that's not a board run deal. That's, they have a promoter, right? World Racing Group owns Dirt Car. So they actually have somebody that makes all the decisions. Tracks don't get to vote on it, right? And Sam Driggers comes out with a whole bunch of rule changes in the modifiers. I mean, just stuff like this, right? Like minimum 22 gallon fuel cell. Why? Like why, right? You got to have certain amount of bolts on the back of your roof. What? Right? I mean, the wheelbase has to be the same side to side, which never happens. Everybody always trails the right side, usually, right? Just crazy stuff. It's like, where does he come up with this stuff, right? And he got lit up. Or he got lit up. On, on social media, his text messaging, I mean, drivers just absolutely came at this guy, right? Well, he posted a statement. 
And I'll post a picture of that statement on here so everybody can read it. You know, so if you're watching this, of course, you see it. If you're listening to it on podcast, jump onto our show and click to about this, you know, kind of look where it's at, kind of scroll and be able to see it. I don't know what was worse, him just kind of like this craziness on all these rule changes or his letter that he wrote. Did you see that statement? I did see the statement. And before I make a comment on the statement, I want to make a comment about the rule changes. Uh, did you see um, the Castro flow race last week, the Nick Hoffman interview? They yeah. call it the Nick the Nick Hoffman rule changes. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Yeah, because they're, they're getting rid of the whole crooked body. And, and I tell you what, I got it. I'm for that. I mean, yeah, you have to, you can't get, let things get completely way out of hand. They're doing wind tunnel testing and, and all of this stuff, right? So they're, they're trying to take some of that out of there. And I'll, I'll tip my hat to that. I mean, you got to you gotta get rid of some of that. Wind tunnel testing and a dirt modified is just stupid, right? I mean, hell, when I raced, I was hoping to have a body on the car at the end of the race. So, I mean, that's just the way it worked. So, yeah, and, and a lot of the rules specifically were for him because he's very innovative and he's winning races. And they're like, this is getting out of hand. So they had to draw a line in the sand somewhere. So, yeah, I saw that he was. Yeah, he is pretty good sport about it, but I don't think he was right. Really. Well, and in the interview, I mean, he said, you know, gray areas, you always push the gray areas. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's not just him. I mean, any driver that's going to be successful is going to do that. Uh, but regarding the statement, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he stated that drivers came after him unprofessionally. Okay, if they did, you know they probably shouldn't but you're the head you're the head rules guy for a national organization you have to show some professionalism i mean you can't you can't i mean cuz i mean basically he said if you came after me with bad language and swearing and stuff i'm going to come after you with bad language and it's just like no you have to take the high road here well then you mentioned the fuel cell. Do you, want, do you want to give out a donkey award? Do you want to give out an award? Okay, donkey award. <laughs> <laughs> um, then re regarding the fuel cell, he made the statement, um, I don't know when the different size fuel cell was blah, blah, blah. Well, you're the head rules guy. How do you not know when this all started? I mean, if you don't know when it started, then there's a problem. <laughs> Well, and the reason they run such a small fuel cell, right, is modifieds, certain modifieds, because they have the weight limit so low, right, a lot of times the cars are really heavy, and they don't need all that fuel. I mean, they, they run on gas, so you don't need 22 gallons of fuel. You just don't need it. It's unnecessary. So what they do then is they'll go to a smaller fuel cell, so that way you can, you still got to weigh the same, but if you go to a smaller fuel cell, chunks of lead are only that big right a fuel cell is that big so they can take that lead and they can move it around the car to get their percentages right so he's like it just makes sense and i talked to my buddy uh lamb turnberg he used to build the turbine chassis he says back when we first started building super stocks we had a 12 gallon fuel cell the reason is so they can move lead around wherever they wanted it rather than that big fuel cell is right there and that, and that is where it is percentage wise so it just give them some latitude but they're going to, it sounds like Driggers is going to revisit some of this stuff. Um, he, it sounds like he's, I think he's in Charlotte 
for this mm-hmm. coming week. Yes. And it sounds like he's going to revisit because I don't think this guy did any research. It's just like, you know, people making rules need to have a clue. They, they really do. I mean, take some advice from the people that are experts in the field and then make your decision. Just don't just do stupid stuff for no apparent reason. And, and then the way that he acted on that letter, he, I posted it here so people could see it. Wow. I, I was I was pretty flabbergasted to see that. I got to be honest with you. So I want to give a quick shout out to a couple of buddies of mine went south. So Vado, New Mexico down there, they had the, uh, I don't know if that was USRA Nationals, they called it, or they, there's a name, Fall Nationals or whatever. But uh, the redheaded rebel, um, Scott Vince, of course, RHR Swag, um, he went down there and he brought with him your 2021 Wissota Speedstock National Champ Parker Anderson. They brought down a pair of B mods down there, and uh, both of them finished in the top five. And uh, third place down there on the final night for Scott Vince, a top five finisher for Parker Anderson. Hats off to both of them guys. Great job representing down there. Um, but the question I have for you so, Vado, New Mexico, um, is where they're going to have the Wild West shootout this year, right? Because down in uh, where it was, and what was it, Cave Creek or whatever, wherever it was in Arizona, basically Mesa or Phoenix area, they're not allowed to have it there anymore. Um, so they moved it over to New Mexico. And, and we're a little ways away from this yet, but since they had races down there, what do you, what's your expectations? You know, it's a beautiful view. I saw a little video that Ben Shelton did kind of the, you know, it's kind of a cool view, but it's it's different because Phoenix people went down there. And there's so much to do, right? I mean, it was it was a true vacation. And there's a, there's a few things to do in New Mexico. Do you think it's going to get the same support there that it did in Arizona? What is your thoughts? I mean, I was going to say, you know, as far as the racing goes, I'm not concerned about the racing because I'm sure the racing will will be good. Uh, but yes, that's a concern is, you know, part of the appeal of where it was before was, um, you know, you could go to races, but there were other things to do in the area. And I think, uh, I think we talked about this at the time. It seemed like they even scheduled off days so people could go and do other things and they, they stretched it out a little bit. So I don't know if that's how they're going to schedule things. It is. At, Okay. So, you know, I don't know if there's, if there's going to be enough things to do, like there were, where it was previously, it might keep some people away. Um, I guess time will tell. And anything like that has to be built up, right? It right. has to be built up and it, and it really wasn't, it really wasn't, it took a while to get it to where it was. And in fact, there's a lot of people from the upper Midwest, Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, a bunch from there that, people actually bought like the little, I guess, uh, park model homes and all that down there in Arizona because they're like, well, we want to winter down here because it's warm, but we'll winter specifically here because we have a whole week of racing and a bunch of our guys come down. Now you don't have them, right? So it's going to, it'll be interesting to see how year one goes. Now it isn't fair, right? To compare chapter one to chapter 20 or something else's right so um in my uh, hopefully it goes good i mean i'm thinking there's no way year one is going to be as good as the last year was in arizona i just i think that's unrealistic expectations but uh 
they put together a really nice facility down there. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on. So neither one of us are going racing this weekend. Um, I don't believe. <clears throat> I know I'm not. But if you want to travel, there's <laughs> stuff going on all over the country. You know, check out RV Share in the links below. Um, you can rent campers and motorhomes and all that of any size. Check out, click our link and check out the website. But this weekend, on pay-per-view, on, on all of the streaming platforms, what races are you looking forward to? Well, before I get into that, I do want to say, if you really need your racing fix this weekend, um, it's asphalt. Um, but State Park Speedway in Wausau is hosting an, an enduro race for four-cylinder cars. So if you, oh. really need your, if you really need your fix, it's there. We should get one. We should have got one. <laughs> and um, so uh, my list, um, World of Outlaw Sprint Car Races are at the top of the list. Um, curious to see what Sweet and Grab will do, where that point chase is at the end of these two races and if it's gonna if there'll be any drama entering the final weekend or not um then the the castro flow race uh, uh later this week um uh, late models so <laughs> and um then the usmts uh, races you know there'll be some local drivers uh wisconsin drivers down there so uh um it'll be a little bit more interesting to watch those so I got a couple of questions because they are the same races I have. There's just not a lot of options to choose from. So on the world of outlaw sprint cars, okay, there's four races left. You have these two races here, and then you got the two races at the world finals. Probably the most consistently, the consistent guy, he, I'm not going to say he's been red hot because he ain't been winning a bunch, but probably the guy that's been consistently running up front the most is Donnie Schatz. Okay. Do you think he can win one of the final four races? Not, not can he. Do you think he will win one of the final four races? Um, I'll say yes. Um, I mean, what's actually been kind of cool about the Outlaw series recently is a lot of the big names haven't been winning. They've been non-regulars or, you know, you know, not as big of names winning the races so that's actually been very interesting uh and it's something i kind of like to see you know i don't like to see you know the big names winning all the time so uh but yeah i'll say he wins a race i'm gonna i'm gonna be hopeful and i'm gonna say i hope he does and i have a i just have a feeling that he's gonna win one of the two in charlotte um that, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thoughts i'm kind of leaning that way now, I didn't. I didn't pick them for any of the two races this weekend. So, uh. no, I'm looking up at, at the USMTS here really quick. Okay, I'm pulling up the points. And have you looked at the point standings? Because it's a no. big payday. They had a big payday. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was um, pretty healthy. I don't remember exactly the number, but it was a big, big check at the end of the year. And right now, Derek Ramirez. Oh, no, this is as of September 25th. Do they not update their website? Or have they I, not had a race? Has oh, US, I don't know. I don't know. They might not have had a race in a month, right? I don't I don't think Possible. they have because Ebert's been running some Wasota stuff. They had the USRA stuff. So looking at this, I don't feel like they have. So if this is accurate on their website, Derek Ramirez 
right now has a 62-point lead over Jake O'Neill. Tanner Mullins in third. Rodney Sanders in fourth. Lucas Schott is in fifth. Lucas Schott. I didn't even realize he was following the world of outlaws. So USMPS National Championship. Okay. So then looking down at this, Dan Ebert inside the top 10. I'm assuming the website, they're pretty on top of things at USMPS. So I'm, I'm assuming this has got to be probably accurate. It would, um, it would be hard to believe they'd be a month behind. Yeah, they haven't had a lot of races. Uh, I, I can pull up their schedule here really quick. So who do you think is going to get that done? Do you think that Ramirez will get that done? Do you think Sanders will come from behind? Mullins, or do you think it'll be Jake O'Neill? What is, what's your thoughts there? I'll say Ramirez holds on. So the point standings there, yep, it's Ramirez, O'Neill, Mullins. Looking at this right here on the schedule, the last race was the Fall Jamboree. Octo yeah, and then October 28th. Huh, that's interesting. So they had, you know, and that was the nice thing about the series is it was pretty spread out. That kind of gave them some latitude. So I, I guess I did not expect that. I thought O'Neill or Sanders was winning the points. I haven't kept track of that. Um, it'll be really interesting to see Ramirez is a guy that if, if I would have put money on it at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have put him in the driver's seat to win the championship. I just wouldn't have, I would have said O'Neill or Sanders for sure. So pretty good for the sport, having a different guy win it. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So with that said, episode number 103 in the book, right? We got the same races on Castro Pool, the final night for the Castro Pool racing night in America. Do you think Kyle Larson's going to show up this week? I think he's said points, but he's locked, right? I think he's locked in the second. Right. Yeah, they were talking about that during the race last week, and they said, you know, if uh, if he still had a chance for the championship, that he would probably show up, but they weren't sure if he would. They weren't sure if he would show up if he if he had no chance to win the championship. Because I <laughs> I think there's another championship that he's looking for that is kind of important to him. It might, pay, it might pay pretty good, too. Yeah, and it, yeah, it might pay pretty well, too. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that that final race is this weekend, isn't it? The NASCAR race? To, to be honest, I don't even know. I, no, I, I, have, I, I have followed NASCAR so little this year, at least the last half of the year. Right. I, and the only reason I'm following it all, period, is Kyle Larson. I'm pulling up the schedule here really quick because I really have no idea either. Or I'm trying mean, to pull up the schedule here. Actually, I think it was just last Sunday. It's like, oh, crap. I was going to watch some of the NASCAR race, and I forgot it was even on TV. Sunday, October 31st. Where, where are they at? Martinsville? Is that right? Okay, and then it's not the last race, because the last race is in Phoenix. Yeah, the last race is Phoenix. So they, they have a race this weekend, but he's obviously with two wins in the final. Oh, yeah. Week. Locked yeah, in. in the finals, yeah, yeah. So they got, yeah, October 31st in Martinsville, which is not that far. I mean, he flies anywhere. It's kind of neat. Did you hear uh, the one race they went to? And Nick Hoffman's like, Yeah, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> can I get a race? He said, You need a ride? Nick Hoffman's like, Yeah, it's kind of cool. We got done racing, we got back, and that was kind of a cool deal. So, yeah, Martinsville this weekend, um, Halloween, Halloween day, and then, uh, yeah, it ends November 7th which okay. will be next weekend over in Phoenix for the championship. And man, it'd be kind of interesting to see if that's something that uh, we're going to have to, we'll do a little research on that. We'll have to, 
kind of look at the old point format, just kind of play around with the results and all that. We're not going to do it tonight, but we'll talk about <laughs> it. We'll wait, we'll wait till the championship's over and kind of dissect that. You know, I'm going to knock on wood. I'm not a big NASCAR guy anymore. I used to be. I was really a big Dale Earnhardt fan, but I really want to see Kyle Larson close that deal up. I, I mean, he's so deserving of that. We all like our dirt guys. He, I mean, man, I mean, what you got any closing thoughts on that? Well, I mean, considering what he went through last year, you know, it would be really cool to see him win the championship this year, just to kind of, um, show everybody the talent that he has. And, um, you know, when he did come back to NASCAR, I mean, Rick Hendrick signed him and he didn't even have sponsors for all the races for him because of what happened last year. So right. I'm, I'm curious as to, uh, how happy the sponsors are now with all the recognition that, um, <laughs> all the airtime that they're getting on TV. <laughs> right. They got to be kicking themselves. Tony Stewart's probably kicking himself. Well, exactly. <laughs> that he is like, I should have hired this guy. I, it's a rare talent. It's something that you don't see often in racing. Somebody that's that versatile. So race fans, I mean, we, I mean, most of us, I mean, are more dirt fans than asphalt fans, but I'm telling you, don't take it lightly, right? Cause it's probably not something we're going to see again anytime soon. Something, something like this. So don't take it lightly. So, Episode 103 in the books. We're back at it. 104. Now, if you're doing your math, right? 104, 52 weeks in the year, 52 weeks in year two, 104 would be officially two years of shows. Um, Saturday is the official date for our two year anniversary. But if you go off of episodes, um, we got one more. We're on our final episode of our second year, I guess it would be next week so kind of cool and we're gonna look forward to the following season and hopefully make they might make a little adjustment here and there along the way and you know fans if there's anything that you're like man we'd like to hear you we'll talk more about this or we'd like to see you do more of this put it in the comments you know we, we want this to be we do this because we love it right and we want everybody else is watching it to enjoy it too what would you like to see more of you know what you know what what part of it do you enjoy what would you like to see less of you know, whatever it is, but uh, help us make the show better because we, we do it for fun. We do it for the sport. We do it because we all we all love racing and we all want to be a part of it. So, Bert, uh, always fun chatting racing with you and uh, have a good week. We'll uh, be back on here next week. All right. See you later. <clears throat> a production of Gold Sports Media, LLC.